Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Capital Advisory Group, Inc. is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS. Neither Kestra IS nor Kestra AS provide legal or tax advice and are not certified public accounting firms. You work hard for your money. For the next hour, you're going to learn how to keep what's yours. Capital Advisory Group presents Keep What's Yours. Here are Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. Hello and welcome to Keep What's Yours with Jeff Zufall. I'm Josh Gilbert. This is Jeff Zufall. Hello, Jeff. Hi, how are you doing? Very good. And the show, in case anyone is new to this thing here, is we talk taxes. And, uh, Yay. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, don't change the yeah. channel just yet. Uh, let me explain something to you. Do you pay taxes? Jeff, do you pay yes. taxes? Do I pay taxes? Yes. You technically are my tax guy, so do I pay taxes? Yes, you do. Does everyone in the world – well, everyone in the United States Yes, everybody in the U.S. Taxes? at least has to file a tax return. Some don't pay any, but – it's a tax you got to pay. And is there a way to pay less taxes, legally yes. speaking? Legally. Without having the IRS or – Kicking know, in your front door saying right. that you're you know, tax evasion or anything right. crazy Locking like that. Locking me up and throwing away yeah. the key. Is there a way to do that legally? Yes. There's a bunch of ways to do that. Everybody has the opportunity to reduce it. You're never going to get out of them. You're never going to go, oh, hey, I never paid any tax. But you're going to pay less tax if you plan. So for those who are listening, who are looking, fumbling for the button to change the channel, let me just stop you right there. Do you pay taxes? Yes. Do you wish that your tax bill at the end of the year or on every single paycheck was a little bit lower? Yes. Yes. Then stay with us because we're going to tell you how to do that. And that's what we do every week, and it's called Keep What's Yours. Jeff wrote the book, Keep What's Yours. We do the radio show, Keep What's Yours. And if you wanted a book, which I've got in front of me, and uh, it's easy to read because I am uh, an idiot when it comes, you know. (laughs) Jeff, I was an English major, but, you know – Virginia Woolf didn't write any books about taxes. No, no, um, that would you know, yeah, not uh, in her uh, wheelhouse. F. Scott Fitzgerald was not yeah. writing about the tax law, which I wonder what it would have even looked like in the 1920s. Um, Very basic. Yeah, um, you got to write everything off, um, and the taxes were super low. Well, uh, things have changed uh, drastically. Like a complete 360, the opposite direction. Everything you do has got a tax tied to it in some way, shape, or form. Um, so you try and reduce it, legally reduce it all at all cost. And things have changed in the last 10 years. Things have changed in the last five years. Yes. Um, so things that you might have been able to write off in the past, you can't now. But I always say this. The federal government, being who they are, uh, a bunch of fat cats who, you know, yeah. they scratch the back of billionaires who pay money to their campaign yes. funds. You know, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn basically how the government works. Yeah. There's going to be a day where the textbook in you know uh, freshman civics class is going to say, our government is run by people who all they do is beg for money all day from billionaires yes. in order to get reelected. Yes. Because that's, that's what really, they do. <laughs> that's how it works. That's it. So they throw <laughs> a bunch of uh, stuff in the tax code for the rich billionaires, but they also throw some stuff in there for us. For us. 
Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we do ultimately have to vote them into office. Yes. So they're going to throw that breadcrumbs out there to go, ooh, we'll give you this. But ironically and stupidly, they don't always tell us about it. No, no one does. You know, they so they eat, put it in there. Here's a bone for the yep. for the poor and the destitute. Yeah. But we're not going to tell them about it. Yeah. Like, well, if you told us about it, maybe we'd vote for you more. Exactly. So they do throw some stuff in there. But the only way for us to actually know that it's in there or that it exists is if we watch C-SPAN 24-7. I've, I've done that. Not 24-7, but I've watched it for a couple hours. It's 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 there. Yeah. <laughs> if If we read the tax code itself – Every couple of months to make sure nothing has changed. Even worse. Or if we find someone like Jeff Zufall, senior tax strategist and wealth advisor with Capital Advisory Group, and give him a call and say, Jeff, here's my situation. This is what I look like on paper. This is what I look like you know, in real life, though. Mm-hmm. What is my tax situation and is there a way for me to keep more of what's mine? Yes. And that's how we actually utilize the tax code to our benefit. I'm I'm stunned that there are people out there that actually file their own taxes year after year. There's a few, yes. It seems like every March, you know, the weather's starting to get nice out, <laughs> yeah. you know, and the last thing I want to do is spend my Saturday afternoon up in the office going through papers yes. trying to figure out how to file my taxes. Yeah. And can that go there? Can I write this off? Yeah. Yeah. And then now I got, can I write <laughs> off, uh, you know, X, Y, Z? And, <laughs> and the uh, internet is always right. Exactly. And say, write off whatever you want. It's good. <laughs> I don't get these people that try to do it on their own. Um, and especially after we started working with you, Jeff, uh, I'll, I mean, it's a no brainer when you realize that with Jeff's help, we've started an HSA. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, FSA. FSA. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking about doing the HSA. We started an FSA just for my son's school, something that we would have to pay for anyway. Exactly. And at the end of the year, we get to keep, we realize we kept 1200 bucks Just by doing that. Just by doing that. And, and that, you had to pay it anyway. So. That would be money that otherwise would go to the federal government yes. in the form of taxes and We'd never see it again. Never. Who knows what they're going to do with it. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to put it towards, you know, uh, home repairs. I'm going to put it towards a nice vacation. Exactly. I'm going to put it towards paying off the car. I'm going to put it towards stuff that works for me. Exactly. And if you can keep more of your money in your pocket rather than going out to the federal government, you can use it for whatever you want. Exactly. That's the end game. And that's the. And again, when they when I say we say breadcrumbs thrown out there, um, people pay ten, fifteen thousand dollars for you know childcare, but you're only capped at five thousand. It's a max you can do into the FSA. So it's not going to take care of it, all of it, but it's going to save you some money by doing it, and you're paying it anyway. And that's one thing that we did, and that's twelve hundred bucks in actual cash dollars. Real I, don't, dollars. I don't want to say savings. I'm calling it no. It's cash in your pocket. Yeah, cash in your pocket. Uh, this is stuff that otherwise would have shoop, gone mm-hmm. to Washington. You never see black Washington black hole. <laughs> um, and there's so much more out there for us to take advantage of. My wife's got student loans. There's stuff out there that we could do for that. Uh, the health savings plans. Those are things that we can sock money away into. Maxing them out, out our IRA. Maxing. Yes out our Roth, when to do the conversions. There's so many things out there, and nobody ever tells us 
which ones work for us, how to use them, how to implement them. This, yes. is, this is the best part about the show is we tell people that these things exist. And then they say, well, yeah, but how do I implement that into my own personal financial life? Yes. Well, you call <clears throat> Jeff – and he helps. And we'll start the process. Yes, helps the process move along for you. Six three six three nine four five five two four. Jeff Zufall, Capital Advisory, GRP dot com. Now, I've got a story that I read to Heidi throughout the week, and it was millennials. And I think <laughs> the, the age of millennials is fluctuating, but I think I fall. Jeff, I like to say I'm the world's oldest millennial. That's right. <laughs> you know, because it just it, you look at the dates of when millennials are supposed to have been born, and I'm right there. Um, but they go as young as maybe even 25 yeah. or, you know, late 20s, early 30s, millennials. Someone interviewed them uh, about financial literacy and whether they thought that they were more financially literate than their parents. Uh, and then they were quizzed on – Words can you just dis- can you define what these mean? And we'll get into those okay. in in some segments because I want to know. I mean, you see people from all walks, of all life. walks of life. People just getting started. Um, help them get you know situated from taxes. Explain tax. That's never done their tax return themselves. They just kind of said, "Hey, my parents took care of it for me in the past, but now I got a, a real job, day job, and I got to worry about that." And they have no clue how taxes function. Um, and then people, you know, from 80, you know, 80, I think I talked last week, uh, 80, he's 86, a uh, stun. He's in perfect health. Yeah. Um, he's better health than I am. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, he probably takes care of himself. He does. Yeah. Nice so, and retired. So yeah. he's got time no to stress, hit the gym. No stress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I think, I really think that I would be the perfect retired person. Maybe for a couple of weeks. I don't know. I don't, I've tried to get my head wrapped around that personally. Um, no, Jeff, I'm t- I'd be fine. And, yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> eh, maybe maybe a month, and then I'd be like, all right, we got to do something today. <laughs> I'd, find, I'd find something to do. I'm, I think I'd be pretty good. Uh, but you've seen my finances, uh, and Jeff 70. jokes. Yes. <laughs> Stop saying that. Jeff jokes that I can't retire until I'm 70. Yes. But I think it's – I hope it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> he has seen my finances. And luckily, he's seen my wife's finances too. So uh, that will maybe float me to 68 or 69. <laughs> so uh, we'll get into that. But it's not too late. This is the time of year where we're wrapping everything up. It's not too late to reduce your tax bill going forward when we do our tax. I mean the year is 2023. But yes. we technically will do them in 2024. 2024. So you got so, – a week, um, basically, to, to do a couple items that you could squeeze in there really fast. And, the, and it's terrible because it's right after Christmas. So Yeah, and, and we're all busy, but maybe yeah. there's a lot of people that have taken the week off. There's I mean, a bunch. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. Because uh, they were calling me going, hey, I want to come see you. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I want to at least take a couple days off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I wanted to take off. So yeah. everyone – uh, has taken off the week between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. And that's a great time for them to sit down and say, all right, exactly. what, what can I do? Does – and we've talked last week, we talked the week before that, about some of these things. And some of them you can only do with a paycheck yeah. and payroll. 401Ks, 403Bs, any so employer – The contributions. Yeah, any employer-sponsored program, the only way really to get money in is to do it through payroll deduction. 
Um, so you can't just write a check and go, hey, I want to max out my 401k. If you have a bonus or something coming here in the next week, that's great. You could allocate 100% of it to the 401k. But if you don't or you've already had all your pay, you know, your, your pay cycles completed for the year, um, if you're biweekly, I think you got one more on the last day of the month. So, if if the check has already been cut, is it too late to try to push that into your four hundred one k? Typically, I mean, yeah. it depends on how big of an employer you work for. Mm-hmm. If you're a Fortune five hundred, they're not going to change it. It's too much of a hassle for them. You know, um, I think I think it doesn't hit my account until Friday, but yeah. the checks roll in on Wednesday, Thursday sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, do we work with our HR on that? Yeah, you could call HR and go, hey, could I reverse it? In some cases, I'll let you. Um, but one of the, the most overlooked deductions we see is HSAs, health savings accounts. If you have an HSA at work, your employer may put 500 bucks in for you as, you know, kind of a freebie. Um, My wife uh, used it to buy me a pair of glasses. Yeah, you can. And the concept is you put it in on a pre-tax basis. Um, and then you get a deduction for it. So whatever you put in, it's just like an IRA. And then as long as you use it for medical expenses, co-pays, you know, glasses, dentist, doctor, um, hospitalization, it's tax-free. You don't pay any tax on it. And so the way, the way that works is uh, <clears throat> this. This always I like to be the the listener's advocate, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And I never took econ, whether macro or micro. <laughs> I never Very took boring. personal <laughs> finance classes. Like I said, I was an English major. We read books and <laughs> talked about it. You know, how do I use that in my daily life uh, in the workforce? But we, I get a thousand dollars. I paid a thousand dollars. If I don't do anything, the government is going to take. 24% of that. It, it depends Depending on your on tax, tax bracket, bracket. But yeah, Let's anywhere between 10 and 24-ish on average. Let's just call it 24. Okay. They're going to take 24% of it. But if I funnel all of that ahead of time into an HSA, yes. then I can use, if, as long as I use that all on medical, yes. I can utilize the full 1,000. Exactly. If I let it hit my bank account, the government comes in and takes their share. So if you're a 24% tax bracket, hypothetically, you make 1000 bucks, you have to give them 240 mm-hmm. So basically the balance is yours to do whatever you want to do with. $760. Yeah. So you go, ooh, I got 760 Okay. If you put 1000 bucks in an HSA, they don't get their 240 It's pre-tax. So you now got 1000 bucks sitting in this account. Everybody's going to have medical expenses over time. Mm-hmm. There's no... So in an HSA, there's no time limit to say, hey, you have to spend it this year or next year or five years from now. You just put it in. If you, and you're lucky if you can build an account up. That means you've never had health care expenses. And, and theoretically, if I use it all for health uh, expenditures, mm-hmm. which, like you said, we all have health yeah, stuff Everybody's going to go see a doctor now and then, hopefully I get, more than later. <laughs> I get to keep 240 of that. Exactly. To use, to use on for something medical. that I was going to have to pay for anyway. Yes. And that's what we're doing with the school. I'm, yeah. This, you get $1,000. We put it in the FSA. We use it to pay for school. Same Otherwise, thing. the government would come in and take as ordinary income yeah. their share of taxes. Share. And that 240 would go to the government in the form of taxes, and they use it for whatever. That's right. Who whatever knows. they see fit to do. 
So this is a way to keep more of your money. Yeah, and it's super simple. Um, and on most of the HSAs, you have until filing of your tax return or March 15th to fund the rest of the money in there. So your employer puts 500 bucks in. You think you're paying money into it, but really the money you're paying goes towards the premiums of the your, your policy. Um, so what an HSA does is just, let's say it's a $100 a month premium, which I wish I had, but $50 goes to the insurance companies as premiums. You'll never see that ever again. Mm-hmm. But $50 is put into a bank account or a savings account in your name. And that's your true HSA dollars that are sitting there. Does it grow in Typically, there? yes. Some of them, it depends upon the trustee, but they will give you, you know, maybe five or six options. You can invest the money, invest very wisely <laughs> because you don't want to hey, say, hey, I put a thousand bucks in my HSA and the market went sideways on me and now I got 800 bucks. Mm-hmm. Same effect. It's just a little indirect. Uh, but that's what you would do is you'd put it in there. Once you build up you know, depending upon personal um, personal health, personal how often you go to the doctor, if you have pharmacy, all that kind of stuff, maybe you you know give it five grand and then go find something a little conservative that would kick off a dividend mm-hmm. and let it grow. You don't want to do it in something risky, obviously, because this, if you, is, if you're, this is medical bills. Yes, if you're younger and you have time, if you're 30 and it's the first time you've got access to an HSA, yeah, you might want to set it a little aggressive. Let it how run. how long can it sit in there? Forever. There's Forever. no t- there's no time limit on it. So I I sock it away tax free, or tax deferred, as long as I use it on medical expenditures at some point tax in my withdrawal. life. So here's one. What if you through your working career you put money in HSA every year diligently, built up a chunk of money, and then you go on Medicare. And we've talked about this how you have you know base plus you know increases depending upon your adjusted gross income or I should say your modified adjusted gross income, um, you could take money from your HSA to pay Medi- uh, Medicare premiums. Really? Yes. Which, again, you is can't, something that I have to pay for yes. anyway. trick is you can't contribute to the HSA once you go on Medicare. Oh, that's fine. You but know, I've already you, spent 30 exactly. years building That's what I mean. But you could take money out of it tax-free to purchase your Medicare premiums or and pay for your Medicare premiums. We did the Medicare show, and it was great. Yeah. And yeah. it was really eye-opening for me. You know, I'm, I'm in my early 40s. My Medicare conversations haven't started yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was really interesting to see how it works. Medicare is, is very affordable, subsidized. Yes. But it's not free. It's not free. It's heavily subsidized by the U.S. government, um, but it's not free. You know, and we're talking what one seventy? Yeah, a month? base is one hundred seventy-two. I think a month. Yeah. Um, so you can sock money away now. Yes. Tax-free, and use it to pay your Medicare twenty yes. years later. Yeah. If if you still have money in the account, <laughs> which means you're healthy. <laughs> well, yeah, you haven't used it. For, yeah. Worst for case, thousands yeah. of dollars in glasses. Yeah. Worst <laughs> case, if you use it. Um, you know, then there's I've seen the reverse case of that. You burn, you burn your HSA up every year before May. Yeah. Um, just because you have medical issues, you have to pay for. And it's a way to keep more of your money. Yes. And just uh, one more thing: so if you have medical expenses that you know that you pay every year, why not save it in an HSA? Exactly. Keep the tax savings on it. Yeah. And now, if you're in a 24% tax bracket like I am. You uh, just got 24% of your money back. Put it right back in your pocket. So 
Yeah. Think about that. Think about that. And as we go to commercial break, it's the year end. It's not too late. If you're getting a bonus coming, maybe funnel that straight into an HSA. Yeah. Well, on the HSA, again, that's one of the only items that you could fund. You could write personally write a check and goes all the way up to March 15th. So you could get in the next year and go, hey, I only put 500 bucks in my HSA. I could still put another seven grand in there. You could physically write a check, fund it yourself, hmm. and get the deduction. Oh, okay. So that's that's one of the only ones that I say drags off into the following year. And uh, you know, I'm not going to uh, you know say one way or another, but uh, the government sometime is um, you know they're they're wanting us pushing us to save for our sure they are future for yeah. our health for yes. our future they are wanting us to live long and happy and fruitful lives but at the end of the day they want to make sure that we're paying for it and and they're yeah. not and they don't have to. <laughs> they're not on the, <laughs> on the hook for it so that's oh how how uh you know nice of the government to do this for it, us well they're they're protecting their own back exactly and i remember reading somewhere back in the day when it was called an msa medical savings account um came out and then they converted it to hsa's health savings account um, the original senator that created this, his theory was that if you if you were actively involved in your day-to-day medical expenses, that you would be more of a choosy consumer. Um, so maybe back then it made sense. I mean, today you go to the hospital and you don't even know what your bill is till five months later. Yeah. And then they tell you what it is. So, <laughs> yeah. so to be – I mean, if you're in pain and you go emergency room – you're not going to be a choosy consumer. You're going to say, what's the closest emergency room? Get me there um, and fix me. And, and cost becomes irrelevant. <laughs> I like to think of when I go and get my oil changed. Yeah. <laughs> now they come out with that clipboard. And they're like, would yeah. you like us to give you a new air filter? Yeah, right. How exactly. about, uh, do you want the good oil? Or, do or the bad the, oil, yeah. The bottom of the shelf <laughs> stuff. And it's like, you know, they don't do that at the hospital. No, no. Um, so there are still things that you can do before the end of the year and uh, even a couple of things that you can maybe do after the new year begins. Yes. But to figure out what those things are, you got to give Jeff a call. 636-394-5524. Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. CapitalAdvisoryGRP.com. Now let's go to commercial break and when we come back, I'm going to throw some, some terms at you. That the millennials, they went right over their head, but maybe, you know, call your son or your grandson or your granddaughter and, and have them come into the room and say, here, here's an education. Uh, we're actually going to learn about some of these things. And it's personal finance 101 yeah, yeah. with Professor Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Zufo, uh, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. Keep What Yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. Back on the show, back to Keep What's Yours. Jeff Zufall is my tax guy. He could be yours, too. He's my money guy as well. He could be yours, too. And that's the beauty of it, Jeff. I I said it uh, this past week with Heidi. I said, why wouldn't you want your tax guy to also be your money guy? Exactly. Because that way, uh, they're both working on the same side. On the same side because you're the same person. Yeah. You don't have to try. If your advisor says, oh, you got to sell this and here's your tax side. You don't have to take that data, then go over to your, your tax guy and go, well, hey, my investment guy said this, and here's this set of numbers. And then that guy goes, well, what are you talking about? Um, it just causes a lot of angst. How, how about, many times 
has someone come to you and said, oh, my investment guy told me to do this, so I did that. And you yes. said, oh. And you're like, oh, oh you can't do that. Or why would you do that? Oh, um, that was a terrible which, idea. All good intentions, mm-hmm. but it just – there was a circumstance that they didn't realize that they can't do that. Right. So we got to unwind stuff. Um, and sometimes it's too late. Or, again – no offense to the brokers, but the brokers do a great job. They make you a ton of money, and they you go, oh, man, I'll take my profit. You sell it, and it's short-term, which means it's not 12 months in a day. Um, you made a ton of money. It's ordinary income to you, basically. Mm. So you're taxed at your— So rather than get ca- uh, capital gains, <coughs> yes. which is 15 to 20. 15 or 20, you get— You get regular income. 24. Which, if it was a good investment, <laughs> you might be a 38 now. There's some stuff back 2021, 20, um, COVID, that people stumbled onto, honestly, and it skyrocketed through the roof. And they sold it, and they're like, hey, look what I did. And then I'm like, yeah, but you won't like that from a tax. They're still ahead. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They just had to pay way more tax. In ordinary so, income, uh, you know, I'm we're going to talk about millennials and the terms that they don't have a firm grasp on. Uh, I can fall into this category because I'm – I never took a personal finance course. They, yeah. They don't offer them, really. Not, 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 not a lot offered on that yeah. to get deep into it. Ordinary income is basically, um, you know, what I get paid from at work. Yeah. When, it's just you know. the, the relationship would be look at it just like you worked for it, and you have to pay the higher tax. Mm-hmm. Capital gain is 15 or 20 max. And if Which, you make, Would you rather pay 24%? Or 15%. I'd take 15 all day. All day long. Yeah. So if we don't do it right, yeah. it might count as ordinary Could income. Could cost you. And we're paying 24% yeah. on it. Cost you dearly or double. What um, if we would have just like waited two days? That's I've seen that before too. Uh, and I'm like, oh, uh, you were so close. But you're two days away from- 12 months in a day, basically. 9% extra yeah. taxes. Tax. Woof. So, and then that's where your, your giant hedge funds have gone and created their own tax laws out there. Um, and all of their income is capital gain related. So they'd make $50 million this oh, year. they can make money. And they're only going to pay 20% versus if you make a million, you're going to pay a 39.6% tax. That's that thing I was talking about last segment, that the tax code is written by the billionaires. Yes. So they can make money and only pay capital gains. Mm-hmm. But when we make it, it counts as ordinary income. Yeah, and you mm. get you pay dearly mm-hmm. for it. So, Ain't yeah. it the sweetest peach? Yep. Uh, all right. Let me go through some of these things that uh, millennials, 2,000 okay. millennials were surveyed about personal finance. And uh, frankly, uh, I hate to say this, <laughs> the parents and the grandparents in the room right now are just going to get so mad. A majority of the millennials, 58%, said that they knew more about personal finance <laughs> than their parents. Parents. Now, Jeff, uh, you haven't fallen out of your chair or flown into a fitter no. age because you probably – you've got kids that are in this age range. Yeah. You probably have already experienced it firsthand. Yes. Our stupid know-it-all kids. Not, not know-it-all, <laughs> just they think something and you're like, no, it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, and here's what's going to happen. Here's where they're getting their advice from. About, about 39 <laughs> – wait, just wait. 39% get it from an actual financial advisor okay. slash planner slash tax person. Um, more get that from their own research. And you said it. You said TikTok. Yeah. Internet celebrities 
is where or yes. uh, what do, what do they call those influencers? Influen- yes, is where a lot of millennials are getting their financial yeah. advice from. So there was a video that was out there maybe three months ago, and the guy said, "You go out, you create an LLC, and you go to the bank, and they they have to give you ten thousand dollars in a loan, and you write everything off." Uh, but he kind of forgot the most important feature of creating a business, which is have a profit motive. You mm-hmm. know, IRS kind of looks down on that a lot, unless you have a profit motive um, to actually create something, sell something. You can't just make an you LLC. You just can't make just... an LLC for kicks and say, hey, I'm going to write, you know, my internet and my phone and, you know, all kinds of, you know, my new uh, computer I bought. But literally that's all over the internet. Um, and just, it was just like, wow. <laughs> right. People listen to him. And for someone who does this for a living, you even specialize in small businesses. Yes. Uh, you, uh, I'm sure, were like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I've read it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I even read something on the, the national, like a CPA site, you know, um, and they were like, warning, you know, <laughs> don't let your clients see this. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, eeks. But, because it's trash, but it's also yeah, going to get people in trouble. Get people in big trouble if they followed, the, followed suit with that. Um, I mean – crazy so i don't know if um that who's that one guy that does a lot of financial radio oh uh, dave ramsey dave ramsey yeah. i don't think he probably counts as a, an internet influencer but nah, maybe he does he might technically but he's more uh he's really more uh get you out of debt he's they're really good at that but um, i've seen so many people yeah. say well dave ramsey yeah. and it's like here's the kicker Here's what's actually going to make people mad. And Jeff probably is going to be even keeled because he's seen it himself. <laughs> no one said that they got financial information from their parents. Yeah. Not a single one of them. Nope. And I don't know if that's a pride thing. You know, my son is probably, three yeah. and everything is let me do it. Yeah. Mine, mine, mine. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, and you go out and you realize that uh, not only did he do it he did it wrong and now there's a big mess that i have to clean yeah, up exactly uh, did that stop at three jeff or do are they still doing that at 30 no at 30 they still kind of <laughs> they still gotta say oh hey what about this and you're like whoa whoa what'd you do <laughs> right oh no so you know our kids they are what they are and, yeah. and i'm one of them and uh, thank, oh, I thank was god one of them too <laughs> this show came along because now i i'm starting to get more fiscally responsible uh by the way i added one percent to both my roth and so there you go Touchdown. That's yep. it. And then next year I'll do it again. Yep. Keep adding so, 1% out of sight, out of mind, and it slowly builds up. That's right. And maybe I'll start that HSA as yep. well. So it'll pay for my uh, Medicare when I get older. Um, so these are things that our kids are doing. And, mm-hmm. and they're getting their advice from who knows where. And uh, they think they know it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting part about this article was that more women are homeowners than men. Yes. I mean, by almost 13%. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that's probably changed. Because the guys want to go, you know, to the sports bar and they want to go play golf on the weekend. And oh, they and could the ga- care less oh, about yeah. gambling. Yeah, uh, sign too. me up. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, the women are, are more fiscally responsible yeah. and they're buying their own. Well, we homes. see that all the time. They're, they're more level headed. Um, you know, where the guys like, hey, oh yeah, buy that. You know, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna triple my money tomorrow. And you're like, no, you won't triple your money tomorrow. If <laughs> I were in charge of the finances, thank God my wife is. If I were in charge, I say, Jeff, I just invested heavily into Magic Beans <laughs> and 
you know, <laughs> sky's the limit. That's right. right. That's right. Here are some phrases that millennials had trouble grasping, and it was uh, these phrases: sixty percent and over millennials were not familiar exactly with what these with terms. What it meant? Okay. This is this is sixty-two percent. Everyone okay. else is even higher than this, but this is the one that they actually knew a little bit about. Okay. Credit. Sure. Now that sounds easy. Credit. That's that's you know my credit card has a limit of six thousand dollars. I've only put two thousand on it. And I've got a four thousand dollar credit that I could still use. Technically, you can, but here's a little trick. The trick is the credit bureaus don't like it when you go over fifty percent of your credit line. So let's say you guys say, hey, I got a $6,000 limit and you spend $5,900. Yeah, you can do it. Um, the problem is, is that's actually a negative on your credit rating because you've, you've stepped over that 50% of your credit line. Mm. So super simple right there. Um, don't do that. <laughs> and, and the credit. So what's called the utilization rate is what it's called. The credit rating. So get having credit, having debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the form of credit, it's it's fine. Yeah. And well, there's good would debt. You say it's a good thing. Good debt and bad debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say credit card debt typically is bad debt, um, just because it's a stupid interest rate on it. Um, good debt is a house, a vehicle. Um, you know, your 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 normal stuff like that. Even though a vehicle will depreciate over time, and you got to replace it, it's still you need it to get to and from work. Um, necessary. Yeah, it's a yeah. necessary evil. So right. yeah. Um, so, uh, and then there are credit scores. Yes. Does anyone actually know how this works? Um, it's kind of weird. It talks about paying your bills on time. Mm-hmm. talks about your credit utilization. Um, how many times it, on the open inquiry on your credit report that somebody's actually dinged your credit report to see what you look like. Now, there's, there's soft credit hits. Soft credit hits basically are where somebody's kind of shopping for you. And I say shopping, they want to they send you an offer so they'll see, ooh, it doesn't hurt your credit. Um, you know, they just look and kind of peek in and say, oh, you're a good risk. We'll send you this offer. Does um, my credit score on a day-to-day basis, does it do anything to me, good or bad, or is it only there when I want to borrow something? Uh, well, you have to have loans out. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you, you'll find it hard to even set your credit score if you never borrow money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where maybe getting started, you get a credit card, get a $1,000, $2,000 limit, put 50 bucks on it, pay, pay it, off. it off. And do that repetitively over six months, and you'll start to build perfect pay, credit. Say it again. Pay it Pay it off. off. Don't let it slide. And, and again, paying your bills on time, that's huge. Um, and then again, not having that, you know, uh, Mastercard out there that's got a ten thousand dollar limit, and you got nine thousand eight hundred put, you know, uh, that you bought, you know, something cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually will go against you from the utilization rate. So it's a combination, and the math on it's a little goofy. Um, also, if you open a credit card, you'll take a short term hit on your credit rating. So when you open that card, you'll probably take a ten point hit just for opening. And then if you close a credit card, you take another 10-point or 15-point hit to close the to card. To close them. Yeah, which is goofy. Um, and, again, they have some crazy algorithms out there that they run. But that's that's what you're looking for is is your utilization rate and your history um, of payments. And now I've had – before we move on to the next term, I've had credit cards that um, 
you know, I'll go to Best Buy and they'll say, well, do you have a Best Buy credit card? And I go, oh, I, I think I did. Like yeah. a couple of years ago, I opened one to buy a computer. And they'll look up and they'll say, no, you don't have one. It's closed. Will the credit card company, after uh, inactivity for a certain period, just close the, the card down? Yeah, I think there's some in your, I say, rule book. You know, in the, the fine, fine printed uh, data that they give you will say something after two years, they shut it down. Yeah, because I, um, I mean, I paid it off and it was just sitting yeah. out there and, and I think they just up and closed it. They up and closed it. I think I had a like a Firestone credit card. I bought tires one time. I got this, you know, just Firestone credit card. I haven't used it in umpteen years. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if that thing's even in existence. And I went to log in and it, it won't even let me in. So apparently it got closed somewhere yeah. along the line. Um, I think it's funny. Remember back in the day, my parents used to give me their gas card. Mm-hmm. And it was a credit card, but you could only use it at the Phillips gas Not, station. Well, yeah, only at Phillips. But also the funny part, and this is my daughter will laugh if she hears this, um, while she was in college in Cape Girardeau, I would get the the detailed bills for the gas card because I gave her a gas card and said, when you're on your way home, put gas in the car. If you're driving around, put gas in the car. Um, they would go buy alcohol. <laughs> oh. So the detail, because it was a quick trip or whatever, or, you know, Phillips 66 right there in uh, Cape Girardeau. And I would get the detailed bill, and it would say you bought five dollars in gas and forty-five dollars in alcohol. Uh-oh. So I was able to call her and go, "Hey, knock that off. That card's not for that." But you can stand at the pump, but do not go inside. Don't go inside. <clears throat> That's so funny. Uh, so. Net worth is a term that millennials have issues with. Now, I told you, Jeff, mm-hmm. my wife runs our condo down in Gulf Shores. My parents and I, uh, we went in on a condo, Airbnb. She takes care of it because I don't know the difference between gross and net. net. <laughs> I still don't. Uh, so when net worth came down, I'm like, well, what does that mean? Is that, so tell me what gross and net is and tell me what the net worth actually includes. So gross and net, gross, is like your paycheck. You make 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Net is after they take all the taxes out mm. and you get $100. So, so that's, gross is all the money that came in from the renters. Net, net is what I get after I pay all my mortgage. All your expenses. And, expenses, yes. you know, yes. got to clean up. Exactly. Okay. So now net worth would be you'd sit down and you would add up my house, my condo down there, my cars, um, money in the bank, brokerage accounts, um, anything, savings bonds squirreled away in the drawer. Now, is it the um, house – up until what I own and first what the bank still Well, and then you'd come it. back and say, what do you owe? Mm-hmm. So you owe, have a note on your house. That's a that's a minus. And you have a note on the, the property down there. That's a minus. And you have a car loan, and that's a minus. And the two net each other out. That's net worth. So add it up and then subtract it. All your liabilities. And then whatever's that bottom number. Whatever that number is, that's your, that's your net worth. Now, what if I'm adding the... Uh, the IRA, or what if I'm adding would be in the there. pre-tax? Yeah, so it's it in would, there that you, you got five hundred thousand dollars in your IRA, but you haven't paid taxes on it yet. Yeah, but it's How, still. What do I subtract from that? Not until you get out to start to take withdrawals, because it's still worth five hundred thousand dollars until you take it but out. But I'll <laughs> never see five hundred thousand. You of won't. It. Right. Well, again, you can't say you won't because what if the first year of retirement you go first. Um, your wife still works, but your W-2 income drops, 
you start to convert part of that IRA to a Roth, you're going to pay tax, but now you've moved it to a Roth, you'll never pay tax on it ever again, and you try to tax bracket plan as you go into retirement. So there's possibilities where you could get out of it or the bulk of it because it'll make it it'll make itself back up, you know, pay the tax out of the account, make itself back up over four or five six years. And that's the game that I that we we could have a whole show on it. Mm-hmm. If ultimately I'm going to convert over to Roth when I get older anyway, yeah. why don't I just put it into Roth? Because you want the tax deduction today mm-hmm. and the time value of money over time. Okay, so it's it's a game. Yeah, it so really is. it is. It's and a it's mathematical a game. game. Yeah. yeah. Do you say, hey, is that to your advantage? In some cases, it's not to people's advantage. It's better to do the Roth. And how do we figure out if we're playing by the right rules? We call Jeff. Yes. 636-394-5524. I felt like that was a good time to give out <laughs> the phone number. 636-394-5524. That is a math game, and you need someone to help you play it because mm-hmm. – you're going to do the math on it, and you might do the math wrong. And exactly. You might not know that you can include certain things in there. Exactly. So, right. what you would like a net worth, what you would adjust each year, would be anything that depreciates. So, technically, pre-COVID, your vehicle would depreciate each year. So, you'd say, "Hey, my car was worth forty thousand when I bought it. This year is worth thirty-five. Maybe those are crazy numbers, and now it's worth thirty. And each year, you would depreciate the value of it going forward." But technically, through COVID, now cars have held their values. It could be the biggest piece of junk, and you're still going to pay top dollar for it. I'm stunned. So, I'm oh, stunned. i got to go do that here in two what weeks. People can get for their cars <laughs> these days. And then we'll just wrap it up with this. Uh, there's plenty more terms that, they, that millennials didn't really have a firm grasp on, even though they said that they were more financially literate yeah. than their parents. <laughs> Ugh. God. You know, I, the hubris of, yes. of the young. Yes. You know, Jeff, and I'm just starting to pull out of it. Um, <laughs> Home equity. So that's the grand total of what your house is worth. So let's say your house was appraised. Appraised slash what you could sell it for could be two two items, mm-hmm. and especially in today's market. But let's say your house is worth 200000 So if you put it on the market, you get two hundred grand, But you owe the bank 100000 mm-hmm. So that's $100,000 of equity in that house. But most of your banks, to go get that, most of your banks will not allow you to take that full hundred grand out. And you'd be mortgaged to the hilt basically at, at a full 100%. They'll give you what's called 80% of debt to equity. And that 80%, that is, that's, From, you know, remember, remember PMI? Yes. I hate it. I hate it so <laughs> much. I have, what does it stand for? Uh, prince, uh, uh, principal mortgage insurance. It goes nowhere. No. It, it gets, so, it's the, and if you haven't paid 20, if you didn't put 20% down on your house, and you haven't paid up to 20% of the total, you have to pay PMI. You have to pay it. Now, you can go back to them, though, because they do say if you could use their appraisers and it appraises greater than that 20% increase, then they'll release it on you. Mm-hmm. But you got to use their – typically the bank's appraiser or whoever, your mortgage company's appraiser. And they're going to be very conservative. Far be it from me to tell people not to buy a house at 3% down. Yeah. Uh, if, well, uh, it's better than, you know, it, it's again to the bank's view, though, with that insurance on there, basically the bank is just guaranteed that loan no matter what. So if it ever goes bad, they're going to get their money. Mm-hmm. But so you uh, think about it. Just think about it. Can you afford 20 percent? And and I'll tell you right now, we have been outside of paying PMI 
for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Uh, for the millennials who don't know what some of these terms mean, look up PMI, and I tell yeah. you, it's the world's worst. It's basically the bank <laughs> protecting their asset. And I have is, to pay for it. Yeah, and you got to pay for it. So if you ever default on the note, banks get their money, and everything's happy. Hey, and hey, again, hey. the flip of that is you used to be able to deduct that on a tax return. <clears throat> and then they came along and said, well, maybe not. And then it went a year or two. And then they said, hey, if you make less than 50 grand married filing jointly, you get to deduct it. Well, if you got a house and you got a mortgage, married filing jointly, typically you're over 50 grand and you don't you get blocked out of the deduction. Yeah. So, and I think they pulled it out. 23 is pulled out completely. Okay. So these are the things that you need to know. That they are out there and something that might have existed last year or might have existed because of COVID. Yeah. Doesn't may not, exist may not exist anymore. Yeah. yeah. So uh, just do what we did last year, Jeff. And you're like, nah, we can't. I get that. They're like, hey, just take the number you had last year. I'm like, no, nah, I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> 636-394-5524, capitaladvisorygrp.com. Jeff Zuval, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. We'll go to commercial break and come back. Wrap it up for one of the last shows of the year. It is Keep What's Yours with Jeff Zufall. Keep What Yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Supal. All right, before we get out of here, let's do one more thing. Tesla, uh, there is a thing out there. Tax, you get tax credits for yes. um, buying an electric vehicle. EVs, yes. And you get a tax credit for installing a charger Yes, in your garage. Uh, $7,500 tax credit. Now, that's credit. In like the for the credit this year for 2023 is a credit on your tax return. It's the only way you get it. The credit starting in 2024, you could use it as your down payment for your vehicle. Mm. So you got 7,500. Um, you could say, hey, I'll take that credit right now. You use it as a down payment. And you're good to go. Um, and you get $1,200 to have a I'll call it a charger. Full you know paying an electrician probably costs way more than that. Put in your garage so that you could have your your fancy charger in there. Um, but what Tesla just announced was they're saying that their Model 3 uh, rear wheel, I can't ever say that, uh, wheel wheel drive um, are going to lose the federal tax credit of 7500 And it's got everything to do with part of this goofy rule states on where the batteries are manufactured. So it's kind of a rebuttal back because he's opening uh, – Musk is opening a plant in Mexico. Yeah. And the oh, U.S. Yeah. government's kind of mad. Um, so that's kind of maybe what it is. Um, so they they have designed this tax credit that it goes towards an electric vehicle. Yes. They want to incentivize people to buy electric vehicles. But they want to incentivize people to buy electric vehicles that were made majority, majority – Parts from the U.S. Parts yeah. from the U.S. Now, there's battery manufacturers that are getting ready to, to go live in a sense. I think one in Arizona goes live mid-24. So if they could start producing batteries, then home free, everybody's back on the, the, the list. But if not, you get booted. Um, and so you either have to sell 250,000 or 250,000 units. And when you surpass that, most of the credits go away um, and are where your battery is manufactured. Hmm. So Tesla is the first one to announce that they'll probably get their $7,500 pulled from them. Um, but again, they haven't said exactly when. Um, and then you get the $1,200 to put the charger on the wall. But, again, the way to look at it is, you know, do the, or did the dealers already build the $7,500 into the price of the car because they know you could use it as a down payment? 
Um, and then they actually, if you sign off your credit, they go get it at the end of the year. Um, that I don't know. Haven't, yeah. haven't looked at them yet. That's tricky, but uh, there's a list online yes. that you can look at. Check up. the list. Make sure the car you're looking at is on that list. And then also in 24, they actually have where you get a 50% credit for a used EV. Oh, so okay. in the past, you could never get a credit at all for a used one. had to be brand new. Now you get basically 35 or three grand as a credit uh, for buying a used EV. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, my brother just bought his son a Tesla and uh, – Take it back. <laughs> Buy it next year. Next year, you can get a tax credit for it. We'll see. Uh, I'll have. I'll send them to you, Jeff. There you go. We'll, we'll put see, it in there. <laughs> yeah, if there's something that can still be done. That's Jeff Zufall, senior tax strategist and wealth advisor with Capital Advisory Group. Six three six three nine four. 5524. You want to buy an electric vehicle and you want to take advantage of the tax credits? Well, you got to make sure that the car you're looking at is on, is the, list. on the list. Yeah. So Google it. Uh, it's from government websites and a lot of other websites have it as well. Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Keep What's Yours with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Manager at Capital Advisory Group. To learn more, call 636-394-5524 or visit CapitalAdvisoryGRP.com.